Okay, with calcium, we're starting to get into our fluid and electrolyte balance, right? Normal range for adults is 8.2 to 10.2 milligrams per deciliter. Okay, and, and what we're talking about here is we're talking about serum calcium. So what calcium is in the blood? There's, an, there, there's a couple other calcium tests we can run. We can run ionized calcium, we can run urine calcium. But with serum calcium, what we're talking about is we're talking about the calcium that's within the blood, okay? And calcium is the most abundant cation in the body. And it actually plays a role in almost every process in the body. For example, calcium plays a role in coagulation, neuromuscular conditions, uh, intracellular regulation, uh, glandular secretion, and control of skeletal muscles, uh, and cardiac muscle contractility. So it's a very, very important cation. Now, when we talk cations, all we're talking about is a positively charged ion in the body. And like I said, calcium is the most abundant. Now, for the most part, calcium is regulated by the parathyroid glands. Okay, so if you if you think about your throat where your thyroid gland is, we have four parathyroid glands and calcium for the most part is regulated by those glands. Okay, so whenever you think you're thinking parathyroid hormone issues uh, or parathyroid issues or calcium, you're, you need to be thinking about your parathyroid glands and that's why they're very important. And anytime you're thinking about those, you're thinking calcium. Now, about 99% of our body's calcium reserves are stored in bones and teeth, okay? So that's why parents always talk about drinking your milk and everything like that. It, it, it can make bones and teeth stronger, okay? And so most of our reserves are stored in our bones and our teeth. Our circulating calcium, with about 45% of our circulating calcium, uh, goes around as free ions, okay? So it's just floating around in the blood, taking part in all of these things that we talked about, you know, in, in cardiac muscle contraction, in uh, control of skeletal muscle, and all those things that we talked about. There's another about 40% that are bound to protein, okay? So about 40% of our circulating calcium is bound to protein, mostly albumin, okay? We talked about albumin before as a transport protein. Well, calcium is transported around in the body bound to this albumin, some of it. Now, and that's why it's important to look at ionized calcium as well, because ionized calcium is not dependent on it's not bound to this this protein, okay? So that's why when physicians or providers are, are evaluating calcium levels, they're gonna run a total a serum calcium and an ionized calcium um, to really kind of identify what's going on. Now, when a patient begins to become very sick, we, we will see fluid electrolyte imbalances that are very common in, in chronic illness or with severe injuries and everything. So it's important. And also treatments that we, we provide to patients can cause alterations in calcium levels or fluid electrolyte balance. So for that reason, it's important that we look at the ionized calcium as well for specific conditions. Calcium and phosphorus are also inversely proportional to each other. So physicians and providers will oftentimes look at calcium and phosphorus together to try to determine what can, what's really going on with this patient. For example, if a patient has a normal calcium level with abnormal phosphorus levels, this could represent impaired ca calcium absorption. Okay, so these two should be inversely proportional. And if we see this normal calcium, abnormal phosphorus, there's probably something going on with calcium absorption. So why will a calcium level be ordered? Well, it can help detect parathyroid issues. It can also help in, in evaluating cardiac arrhythmias and coagulation disorders because it plays such an important role in these two things. And some of the reasons we're going to see elevated calcium levels would be in, in situations of acidosis or dehydration, hyperparathyroidism, we would see elevated levels. You may also see elevated calcium levels in phaochromocytoma in renal transplant and thyroid toxicosis, okay? So these would be reasons that, that you might see elevated calcium. Now, why would you see decreased calcium levels? 
Some of those reasons would be alkalosis, acute pancreatitis, malabsorption issues, malabsorption diseases, vitamin D deficiencies, inadequate nutrition or not, or, and hypoalbuminemia. Okay. So if there's low levels of albumin, remember a lot of our circulating calcium is, is bound to albumin. So if we have low albumin, we may see low calcium levels or hyperphosphatemia. Remember we talked about phosphorus and calcium are inversely related. And so if we have high phosphorus, we would see low calcium levels. With calcium, we can also have critical values. So less than seven would be critical and greater than 12 would be critical. For hypocalcemia, if we get below this seven, it might become manifest through the through our EKG. And some of the things we might see on an EKG with a patient with hypocalcemia would be prolonged ST and QT intervals, uh, the facial spasms, you remember uh, Shavatex sign and Trousseau sign, the muscle twitching. So I always remember the, the Shavatex text with uh, the C, it sounds like calcium. So with our hypocalcemia, we would see that facial spasming, remember in our cheek, or we might see muscle twitching, the trousseau sign. With hypercalcemia, again, we might see EKG changes. And some of the things we would see with this would be a shortened ST, okay, where with hypocalcemia, we're going to see it elongated. With the, with the hypercalcemia, we're going to see it shortened. Some of the things a provider might order to try lower calcium levels might be uh, normal saline and diuretics to try to speed up the excretion of calcium. So calcium, like all the other electrolytes, it's important to understand. We can have a much longer discussion on this, and we'll do that in the lab course. But with this discussion, that will kind of help give you the, the basics of what calcium is, how we need it in the body, where it's stored, etc. cetera. Uh, and the normal lab values for adults would be 8.2 to 10.2. Head over to nrsng.com labs to get our 63 lab values you have to know for nursing school, for the NCLEX, and for your life as a nurse on the floor. That's nrsng.com slash labs. Never feel lost on the clinical floor again. 10 minutes with this lab cheat sheet is going to help you feel comfortable, confident, and ready to hit the floor running. You guys, this is John Haas with the nrsng.com Lab Values Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We're so glad to have you here. We're glad to help you. We're glad to hold your hand, give you the confidence and the tools that you need to succeed in nursing school and in life. Y'all, you know what time it is now. Go out and be your best self today. Happy nursing. Happy nursing.